Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Today, we're talking about Elon Musk finalizing his Twitter takeover. Okay, so for a few weeks now, we've been covering the story of Elon Musk saying Twitter needs to change, saying it needs to be more for free speech, offering to buy it. And, you know, people kind of scoffing at the idea of him actually owning Twitter. But on Monday, the day before we're recording this podcast, we're actually recording a day early because uh, news is so big. On Monday, Twitter's board of directors agreed to be purchased by Elon Musk for $44 billion. So now, well, not right now, but Twitter is becoming a private company, 100% owned by Elon Musk. And it was a unanimous decision also. I know in one of the previous podcasts, you know, you asked me, hey, do you think this is going to happen? Do you think this is actually going to go through? And I was like, no way. This isn't going to happen at all. I I don't think there's a chance Elon's actually going to buy it. I think I, uh, I quoted one prominent shareholder who said, you know, the value of Twitter is so much higher than what it is right now and than what Elon's offering. There's no way I'd even consider selling to Elon. And I mean, hey, <laughs> he must have changed his mind because, you know, the board, the entire board agreed to sell to Elon. So I will say when the news came out, when I saw the news, I was definitely surprised by it. As I, you know, as I said on the podcast, wasn't expecting it to happen. But I mean, now that it is official, well, not official yet. It will take about, you know, six months for, you know, regulatory clearances and government bodies to approve the purchase. But once it's official, I think there's going to be a lot of changes coming to Twitter. But when you saw the news, when you heard the news, when you read it, were you surprised to see that Elon was successful in his, you know, his purchase, his takeover of Twitter or did you know, I can't remember. Were you saying before that you thought it was going to happen? Or were you, I'm pretty sure you thought it was going to happen. I'm pretty sure I was on my own saying it would never happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely on the on the side of saying I, I thought it was going to happen uh, simply because it was uh, kind of an effective, it seemed like an effective hostile takeover with acquiring almost 10% of the company before it even started. And then uh, I believe it was 9.2, just to be uh, specific, about 9.2%. And then, uh, you know, talking about not joining the board and then, you know, saying to me, it just seemed like it was very difficult to turn down that offer because he's holding nine over 9% of the company hostage if they don't agree with him. And I think he even mentioned like, hey, if you don't agree with my 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 bid to buy all the shares for $54.20, uh you know what, I'm going to have to renegotiate my position on Twitter. And when you're holding 9% of a company, someone kind of saying, hey, I'm I'm willing to drop this, uh, right after your company gets quite a bit of bump of that same person saying that they're investing in you, that's, that's a risky proposition. And uh, yeah, I, I think if you're Twitter, it's hard to say no to that. And that's how I felt at the time. So when the news came out, I wasn't super surprised. Uh, and you know, they agreed, I believe the way it went down is that they, Elon and Twitter's board or Twitter execs 
uh, spoke about the deal over the weekend and made it official on Monday, which is yesterday from when we're recording, for an amount of forty-four billion U.S. dollars. So that's just. I think that's fifty-four dollars and twenty cents. Just had to sneak the four twenty. Yeah, exactly. Which is is so ridiculous in terms of like. Uh, first of all, I think we spoke about before. This is pretty unheard of 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 a hostile takeover like this by one person. Um, you know, even even less hostile purchases, like you know, in my opinion, one of the biggest of all time is Disney buying Fox. Uh, that was something that was you know talked about for a long time and rumored for a long time. Uh, you know, it was it was done more traditionally, but this was like on a whole nother level in terms of aggressiveness and quickness. And I think that worked out in, in Elon's favor because there wasn't really a lot of opportunity for anyone to counter or, or really question whether or not this was like the best deal in terms of, of Twitter. Because at the time, if you're a shareholder and you hear, Hey, I'm going to get a 30% premium, which is what he offered at the time over what my share is right now. Uh, yeah, take that it's not yeah. hard to like it's very hard to to think that through for a long period of time especially if you're someone who holds a lot of 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 stake in, in twitter it's like yeah take that i, I want to get my money and get out of here uh and then I, I imagine you know for people who are really happy about this this could be like a really cool thing of people who want to see change in twitter in terms of i think elon even mentioned uh you know hey we're gonna get rid of bots and we're going to make sure more people are verified, which is, I think, a huge sticking point specifically for Twitter. I've heard many people talk about how it's impossible to get verified uh, on Twitter, specifically, like even much harder than it is for something like Instagram. So, you know, who knows? Maybe this will be really exciting for a lot of people. But yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people react going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I think it's really funny of how this news broke. I feel like it broke on podcasts and, uh, you know, blogs much faster than it did in the news cycle, which I also thought was kind of, kind of interesting, uh, which I think is a huge reason why Elon is buying Twitter because news can break much faster on Twitter than it can on the traditional media. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a, it was an unsurprising move, but it just happened really quickly, which, which kind of, kind of shocking. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting that it broke on, I guess, less traditional news sources first, but then it also kind of shows you that is who Elon is catering to, mm-hmm. right? He's not his demographic in terms of, you know, people who are fans of Elon or even people who aren't fans of Elon or people who just are interested in news about him, whether it's, you know, for good reasons or bad reasons, they aren't, you know, they aren't watching let's say CP24, which is a Canadian news channel, but they aren't watching that. They aren't watching CNN to get their news about Elon. They are on Twitter. They are on Instagram. They are on blogs. They are on Reddit forums. So they get that news much quicker, right? So as soon as it was official, and I think I actually saw it on like an Instagram post first and foremost. I mean, maybe I should be on Twitter a bit more, (laughs) especially now Elon's in control. But yeah, like... It's interesting how the news, how people receiving news is changing now. And, you know, to your point about things that Elon wants to do, he released a statement. He says, 
He wants to enhance the product with new features. He wants to make the algorithm open source to increase trust with people. He wants to stop spam bots, like you said, and he wants to authenticate all humans. That's what his, I guess, his first line of action is going to be once he officially has control six months from now. Another interesting part of the news is that former President Trump has announced that he will not be going back to Twitter. Hmm. He is going to be staying on his social platform, Truth. But that kind of, you know, brought up the question in my mind, okay, are people like Trump, are other people who were banned from the platform, are they now going to be reinstated? Because this is, you know, Elon's platform for freedom of speech. That's part of one of the reasons why he wanted to buy Twitter in the first place. So is he going to say, all right, everyone who was banned, you are now reinstated onto Twitter. You can get your followings back up. Or is he still going to have some sort of guideline? And maybe not censorship, but still some guidelines as to, okay, you know, this is how you conduct yourself on the platform. This is how we make sure that everyone can, you know, have a fair and even dialogue without, I don't know, ostracizing people. Another thing about, I guess, this whole takeover, right? You mentioned it and you put it perfectly. He held them hostage. When he announced he bought 10%, the stock bumped up in price. Then when he said he wanted to buy the whole company or he's going to sell his stocks, it's okay. Either we sell to Elon and we sell our company for less than what we think it is, or Elon sells all his stock and then it drops even lower than what it is now. And at that point, it's kind of like, okay, both are bad decisions, but it's kind of like you choose the lesser of two evils there. If you think the stock is worth more than $54.20. But an interesting thing is, so we're recording Tuesday. There is an earnings report coming out Thursday. And a lot of people are saying that this could have potentially been a very bad earnings report for Twitter. Mm -hmm. This could have been, you know, they saw a spike during COVID. A lot of people were spending more time at home, spending more time on the internet, spending more time on Twitter using the service. That's when they were at their highest. I think like around $80, $84 they were trading at. And compared to where it is now, it's, you know, it's fallen quite a bit. And people were saying that, hey, companies like Snap have been posting pretty low numbers year to date. So they were expecting the same thing from Twitter. And they were expecting that, hey, when this earnings report comes out, their stock is going to tank. It doesn't matter that Elon says he wants to buy it or that there's other people possibly interested in buying it. There's a lot of people saying that the board of directors or even, you know, the shareholders also were seeing once this earnings report comes out, our stock is going to tank. So we may not have been, you know, elated with Elon's offer, but it's more than what we are right now. And it's more than what we're going to be after Thursday. So I guess, you know, let's get out while the getting's good, mm -hmm. which could have been part of why Elon, you know, could have been part of how Elon planned this whole takeover too. Because we've mentioned in the past, you know, when he's had his, his Twitter poll about donating money to end world hunger, when he had his Twitter poll about even buying Twitter in the first place, all of these moves were set in motion before he even made it, you know, public knowledge. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, had some, had some metrics of how Twitter was performing. He knew that they were on 
the downslope that their earnings were coming out soon and that the shareholders of board of directors would be panicking. And he said, I'm going to put my offer in and it's going to be timed in such a way that either they accept my offer and they make a profit or the numbers, the earnings come out and their stock is going to tank. So they're kind of even more uh, encouraged to take my offer than the situation that he already had before with him buying 10%. So I wouldn't, I definitely would say that Elon is playing like the, the Senator Palpatine role and kind of, <laughs> you know, standing behind the scenes like, Oh, I don't know. Do you guys think I should buy Twitter? Do you think I should donate this money when he's already done everything already? He's just trying to make it look like he's letting the public have a say in it. But yeah, I think Elon is definitely playing the Senator Palpatine role here. And He's, I mean, I guess a smart businessman. He's not letting on his hand too early. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the smart move. And, and you're right. This could be very similar to what we saw with Netflix, right? Netflix saw all this amazing growth over the pandemic because people were at home. And now that there's a little bit more ability to see movies and, and TV shows or, or even just do things outside of your home, Netflix reports its first subscriber loss in its history and is potentially going to see a lot more. And yeah, you're, you're probably right. I, I could imagine a lot of people getting really engaged in Twitter. Uh, even me, myself, I pretty much have never used the account, but that was the time when I created, created an account. So I could absolutely see where, yeah, they saw this big, huge, uh, influx of, of engagement and, uh, on Twitter during that time frame, and now that's going to start to slow or even decrease, uh, which is great if you're trying to buy a company when they're like, "Well, maybe our st our stock is going to devalue." And I imagine the news around what happened with Netflix could have uh, helped a bit because if that is the case, if their earnings report does come out uh, and is not favorable, they're probably really worried about. Uh, their stock taking the plunge that Netflix's stock did. And if that's the case, it, there could also be the fear that maybe they could get uh, some repercussions of trying to uh, get rid of this deal or stop this deal from happening while at the same time knowing that the company may not be uh, at the value that they think it is or, or it, it currently is trading at, meaning that they're not doing the best thing for their shareholders, which could potentially open them up to getting sued. Uh, from their shareholders, if they're like, "Hey, we could have got fifty four twenty a share before this news came out, and you decided to try to block it just to tell us that the company is doing terrible." Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. This is kind of like a perfect storm with the news from Netflix, Elon holding the the stock hostage, and you know, giving a thirty eight percent premium on the stock price. To it's almost impossible to say no. Um, but yeah, I mean. There's also a lot of, of, of interesting things here. Like you mentioned, who do banned people come back? I think that has to happen based on what Elon has said. I think that has to be something that happens. That's what people are waiting for in terms of a, a lot of the people who support this move. And for the most part, if or when that does happen, even if, if someone like Trump says, oh, he's going to stick with, with truth or whatnot, I think if those people start to come back, and uh, because of the unbannings or, or whatnot, 
and the conversation starts to grow back on Twitter of of like what it used to be. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of those people to not come back because it's just like Elon loves this platform because of how much easy it is to connect with people. I think they're going to want the same thing. Uh, I think what does become the the worry is, okay, if he says they're back today and then all of a sudden they get banned again, that could be something that a lot of people may want to avoid uh, in terms of change in policy. But I think it going private makes that a lot less likely to happen. So yeah, I, I definitely think people are going to start coming back, uh, maybe not right away, but it will happen over time. Uh, and, you know, there is also the news that it seems like ever since this this purchase was announced and, and made uh, public on Monday, it seemed like a lot of people who weren't happy about the idea of Elon buying it may have been deleting accounts because there has been reports of a lot of people losing a lot of subscribers or followers uh, on Twitter. And, you know... I think that's that's bound to happen. Uh, this is a major change. I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing uh, if someone decides they don't want their account on there anymore. It's a company going private as well. Uh, maybe people might be concerned about their data. There's a lot of reasons of, as to why someone might do this, and I don't necessarily think it's something to, to be criticized for if someone does decide to, because at the, at the end of the day, they could always reevaluate that decision later on and recreate an account if they want to. Um, mm-hmm. But... That does uh, beg the question, is that something that is good or bad for Twitter? The idea of, you know, people potentially leaving and and maybe some of the people who weren't as engaged in Twitter uh, potentially not being involved in it anymore. And also, what are the things that need to change in Twitter? Like you have used Twitter a lot more than I have. I I still struggle to understand it uh, a lot. But is there a specific feature or a set of features or something there that you want to see leave? Is there something in particular that you really want to see change that, that Elon or whoever he decides to appoint as CEO, if he decides to change that position, uh, should implement in the in the platform overall? Um, I think like just the biggest one would be the edit button. Ah, yeah. um, I'm on Twitter, I mean, a decent amount, but I use it more, I guess, reading news or finding out news. Mm-hmm. I don't tweet as much as probably most, or maybe not even most people. I don't, yeah. I don't tweet as much as some people do. I feel like the majority of people probably have Twitter just to read either, you know, get their news from Twitter or even maybe just read the comments and, you know, get a laugh out of their comments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think one, and he had a poll about this too, right? He had a poll asking if he should bring the edit button to Twitter and how it would work if he did bring it. So, you know, I think that I think the, you know, the open source algorithms, like we mentioned, getting rid of bots, authenticating people, making it easier to get verified. If you know, you're someone, I guess, that needs to get verified. Those are the changes that I see happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I, I think it would be good if he had some sort of, um, some sort of monetization, mm. you know, they have Twitter blue or they kind of been, you know, workshop in Twitter blue. I would like to see that continue then, you know, if anything even expanded, but then, okay, we're talking about a company here. They're not just going to give people money for tweeting. There's going to have to be some sort of either people are subscribing to your tweets or, you know, people are advertising on your tweets. It's I'm going to be interested to see how Elon if he decides to go 
you know, make it easier for people to monetize or make money off of Twitter. I'd be interested to see how he goes about doing it. Um, and you, you brought up an interesting point, you know, about possibly having a new CEO. One kind of rumor that's floating around there is that people are saying Elon might bring Twitter founder Jack Dorsey back on as CEO. Mm. Now, he was recently chased out of the CEO position by, you know, what people are calling activist shareholders. And Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are like, it's known that they're friends. They've held counsel with each other. They've, you know, they've talked, I guess, about CEO stuff and <laughs> company founding stuff. But he's been very vocal this entire process of Elon buying some of Twitter and offering to take over. He's been very vocal about Twitter allowing Elon to purchase the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, partly because with the closing of this deal, he makes $1 billion with the amount of stock that he owns. So, I mean, I'd be open for that too but elon and jack dorsey are friends it's known there are a lot of people saying that he could reinstate jack dorsey as ceo to help i guess twitter become maybe whatever jack dorsey intended it to become maybe what elon thinks it should become maybe they've had conversations in private about that you know together about what they both their shared vision of what twitter should be in the future And you brought up a good point earlier too, you know, because it's a private company, things can move faster. They don't have to worry about, okay, we have to pitch this idea to the board of directors and we have to get it cleared by the shareholders and we have to make sure it's in the best interest of the shareholders. Whatever Elon wants, he can make happen on Twitter. Well, you know, within reason, as long as it can actually happen or as long as it can legally happen. But we're probably going to see a lot of changes happening quickly because he isn't bogged down by, I guess, a company that is public, you know, a company that has a fiduciary duty to its shareholders. So I think once this is closed in six months, I think we're going to see a lot of stuff happening or a lot of stuff changing on Twitter for the good, for the bad. I mean, who can say right now, but yeah going to be interesting time near the end of the year when this is finalized yeah i completely agree and yeah i think we, we both talked about it on previous podcasts an extension to twitter blue would be uh, probably great in terms of creators i'm sure there's i think it would, wouldn't necessarily be the best for smaller creators but i think larger creators i think the idea of subscribing to private tweets um, for a monetary fee would be very beneficial to a lot of people. For someone like Elon, I don't think that's something that he'd do. But I would imagine uh, the idea that you could potentially subscribe to a Twitter feed that isn't necessarily public uh, and, you know, you pay a small fee and, and you get access to that. I don't know if there's anyone out there where, you know, Elon is obviously one of the biggest people on Twitter, but where it makes sense to tweet or to pay to to get someone to say 240 characters. But I, I definitely think there is a, an opportunity there that could be fleshed out. And like you said, because it's going private, changes to that method could be, you know, iterated on a lot quicker. But, uh, you know, for someone who is on the fence, if someone's out there about, you know, the future of Twitter with it going private, um, do you think there should be a time frame on whether or not we know this is a, uh, a positive change like do you think there's because this is the thing I, I've seen Twitter early on uh, and it reminded me a lot of like 
the first time I played uh, Halo Online, of like the conversations and the discourse that happened on online Halo wasn't really much of a conversation. And I felt like Twitter was the same thing. A lot of the same language (laughs) being used, uh, a lot of the same foolishness around. And obviously that hasn't gone away, but it's definitely changed a bit. And I imagine for people who love the old Twitter, the new Twitter is probably not, you know, or modern Twitter is probably not all that entertaining for them. That was a slow change though. That happened over a long time. It's going private. Changes are supposed to happen a lot quicker. Edit button should be here hopefully any day. Do you think there's a specific time frame that people are like, okay, if I don't see changes to the way that I like it, uh, you know, maybe I'll find something else. Maybe I'll join truth. Or if I do see changes that I like, this is the time frame where, okay, now it makes sense for me to join. Do you think they're, they're going to put like a specific time frame on where they want these changes to be? Should it be a year? Should it be six months after purchase a month? What do you think? I would say a year. Mm-hmm. I would say a year, right? Cause you know, he it just got, I guess, approved by the Twitter board of directors. Six months from now is when it should officially take place. So I'd say six months from then. So yeah, I guess a year from now is when people should, okay, expect to either like where Twitter is going or not like where Twitter is going. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as we've said, it's changes are gonna happen quickly. So either as soon as Elon has control. Okay, everything is going to change right now. Or as soon as he has control, there's going to be slow, gradual changes. And I think by that point, people will know like, hey, okay, I like where this is going. It's, you know, changing from what it is now. Or, hey, you know, he's actually not changing that much. I kind of, I'm happy with where Twitter is now. There's a few things I want to add that he has added. So I'm going to stick around. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't see it being some sort of mass exodus either. Yeah, I don't see it being as soon as Elon takes control, then everyone just floods off of Twitter and floods to another service. There isn't anything like that yet, especially that competes in Twitter's lane, in Twitter's space. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, maybe the truth social uh, network gets a bump in users, but... I think Elon knows as much as he talks about, oh, you know, Twitter isn't what it should be and it could be so much better. I think he knows that it's still pretty good. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, okay, a social network that's based on text, right? Especially if you look at the world that we live in now, like, you know, there's YouTube, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's all these video visual things that are, are fighting for our attention. We have, you know, Netflix on our phone, we have Disney Plus, we have all these streaming services, we have all these flashy things grabbing our attention. And to be a dominant social platform that's based on text, just people reading, I mean, as bad as Elon thinks it is, it's still pretty remarkable that it's as big as it is. Yeah. So I think I would assume that he understands that, hey, you know, we're in a very, or I'm in a very unique position right now. Yes, I want to change things. But I don't want to change things too quickly Mm -hmm. because if you change things too quickly, then you alienate a lot of people who are all who are currently happy with where it is right now. So, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what kind of changes he makes, because, you know, you asked me before, what kind of big changes do you think need to happen? I don't think that many big changes need to happen. Yeah. 
okay, yeah, getting rid of spam accounts. Yes, um, you know, maybe better monetization for creators, add an edit function. But other than that, I don't think huge things need to change. I mean, if you go and you start making it, you know, the algorithm is going to be open source. Maybe we make it more focused on 30 second videos or maybe we yeah. have photos of priority. Then it's like, all right, well, now you're just copying TikTok and you're copying, you know, you're copying Instagram. So why are we on Twitter and not on those other apps? So, yeah, I'm definitely I'm curious as to what kind of changes he thinks need to happen in order for it to be more successful. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed around monetization. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned that because because of this podcast, I tried out TikTok for the first time, you know, just to be able <laughs> to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, and same thing with Twitter. I talked about tried out Twitter to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, I haven't done Instagram or Facebook yet. But the interesting thing is I understood why uh, TikTok was so addictive. Like it made sense to me after trying it for two seconds. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this could be very addictive. You uh, mentioning that Twitter is like, you know, the social media based off of text. It made me think, yeah, if they do add videos, Twitter is just TikTok. We have short form conversations in terms of text on Twitter right now. You add short form videos, your TikTok. And potentially, I think that could possibly be the first uh, app or a service that could potentially be better than TikTok because, I mean, you can have a TikTok with Elon Musk or a TikTok with all of these super verified people on Twitter that is not just, you know, a dance or a song or, you know, finding a hidden place in your house. There's so much more things that could happen in those short forms. Whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea, I have no idea. I know nothing about social media. I don't use it. But uh, it's interesting of like maybe Elon might be seeing some potential in Twitter that a lot of people just aren't of like, hey, this platform could make so much more money if it was just managed a different way, which who knows? Maybe we'll see. But yeah, I think you're right. Uh, a year or so time frame to see if these changes actually matter or actually change anything for the platform. But overall, yeah, you, you, there's not really much that needs to change. It's a it's a solid platform f- with a lot of expertise. And if I was a, a platform like Truth, um, what I would do is I would probably try to beat Twitter to the punch. If they want, uh, if a bunch of people on Twitter want a big service or a big person available, I would try to beat them to the punch and say, hey, well, we already got that or uh, we're going to do that first. I don't know if they have the expertise. Obviously, Twitter has a lot of amazing employees that make the service run as well as it does. But uh, yeah, that could be a, for any competitor, that could be a, a really big way to kind of compete with it right now as people potentially expect things to Twitter to change. And they probably won't change as much as maybe we think they will. Speaking on like trying to compete with people, right? So in the podcast world, we've, you know, in the past year, maybe past two years, We've had exclusive podcasts, you know, Joe Rogan, Caller Daddy, big name podcasts have been bought by Spotify. And it's, if you want to listen to this podcast, you have to listen on Spotify or you have to subscribe to Spotify to listen to it. Do you think we get to the point where it's like, hey, if you want to, you know, see Justin Bieber's newest tweet or I don't know, text, like it's only going to be on Twitter blue. 
do you think, you know, with truth, maybe with other text-based social media companies, maybe they start popping up. Do we see a competition where, you know, we get some sort of exclusivity deals where someone's getting paid a hundred million dollars just to tweet as opposed to speaking on truth or speaking on whatever pops up next? Or do you think it's a little bit much for a text-based social media? I think it could be because that's kind of a hard thing to police in terms of, oh, this is exclusive. Whereas a podcast, like you're going to have conversations and sounds and stuff like that, that are specific to that brand. But it's kind of hard to say, okay, this person's 240 or even if they, if they change it, 420 character uh, blurb is exclusive to this platform. Mm, I think that could be tough, but I, I think if they do expand beyond just text, that will be something because what was that social network called? I can't really remember, but there was one that Elon joined early on during the pandemic where he was doing exclusive conversations. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. There we go. Yeah. So even like, you know, what he did with Clubhouse, where he had his exclusive conversations on the platform. And if anyone isn't aware, Clubhouse was this social media kind of network where you could only join it if you got an invite. You had to get an invite to be on it. And it was very exclusive. And uh, it was competing with with Twitter at the time in terms of, hey, you can have these really exclusive conversations with people like Elon Musk, who was, like we said so many times, one of the biggest people on Twitter. So the idea that now he owns this social network where he can potentially do the same thing, but on a platform that he owns, I could definitely see exclusive content that way uh, being on Twitter. And I don't know, I, I don't want to say maybe people should expect it, but I do think it would be a great move for Twitter to do in terms of differentiating itself from just a place where you post your quick reactions. I think Twitter has been that for so long, it can evolve past that point. Uh, and with the ex- amount of excitement that Clubhouse got in terms of its exclusivity, I imagine that Twitter could really, really uh, emulate that in terms of, like you mentioned, a Justin Bieber is about to get a new al- uh, promote a new album. Instead of posting that song on on YouTube or that music video on YouTube, maybe there is a 48-hour exclusivity to Twitter Clubhouse or whatever it's called. And you get to hear it live with everyone else if you're a subscriber to either Twitter Blue, whether it's an overall subscription to the platform or that particular person. Uh, But yeah, I think this all comes down to what you were mentioning before, more ways to monetize, which the more types of content you can put on the platform is only going to give you more options to monetize it. Yeah. Uh, Are you aware of Twitter Spaces? No. So Twitter Spaces is exactly Clubhouse. Hmm. Um, yes. Okay. I when, yeah. Yeah. So when Clubhouse came out and it was blown up and everyone was talking about it, I mean, when something <laughs> becomes popular on one social media app, everyone copies them. You know, Snapchat came out with stories and all of a sudden YouTube has stories, yeah. Instagram has stories, Twitter has stories for a bit too. Right. So Clubhouse came out and it was this very novel concept, but it's all anyone could talk about for quite a, you know, a decent amount of 2020. So different, I'm, I think different people tried to copy it. Twitter is the only one that I can think of that was successful. And they actually still have their Clubhouse clone Twitter spaces going right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's quite a, there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to that use Twitter spaces pretty often, pretty frequently. 
and I think the interesting thing about, I guess, this type of product or what it is that they're doing, right, is because one thing that makes Twitter so popular, especially for someone like Elon, is, hey, this is the world's richest man. He can put a tweet out there and I can comment directly to his tweet. I can tag him in this tweet. I could possibly start a conversation with the world's richest man because of this app, Twitter. Mm-hmm. What spaces is, it's, it's just an audio conversation. Yeah. So Elon can start a space. And this is how Clubhouse worked too. He can start a Twitter space. He can start talking. He'll have any, you know, hundreds, thousands of people listening to him live. And then he can say, hey, does anyone have a question for me? And you can raise your hand. He'll select you from the crowd. And then now you are having a conversation with Elon Musk or, who, you know, whoever your favorite celebrity is. You are not now having a conversation with them in real time, you know, almost like it's an interview. And I think that is something that Elon excels in. And I think it's kind of, if you look at what Twitter, what regular Twitter and what Twitter spaces have in common, it's someone putting out a message and easy access in order to, you know, start up a conversation or respond to that message. Mm -hmm. You know, traditional media, if you're watching a TV show, you can't, you know, click on the TV show and then, you know, type a message to your favorite actor. Like, Hey, I had this question for you and expect to get a response, but on something like Twitter and, you know, on most social medias, that's kind of how things work. Yeah. But yeah, I could see maybe, maybe they make some Twitter spaces, a Twitter blue exclusive. Mm -hmm. So you have to be subscribed to me in order to get, you know, my Sunday Twitter space. Yeah, I could. There's definitely possibility around that. I see that more so than I see individual tweets being monetized. Uh, yeah, monetized or locked behind some sort of paywall. But yeah, I think I think you, you're you're 100 right there because I completely forgot about Twitter Spaces. But you're right; that was their answer to Clubhouse. Uh, and it's this is the funny thing about Twitter, and and maybe what I'm hoping Elon probably sees as in its potential is. Okay, if you add short form video, all of a sudden you're competing with TikTok and potentially even better than it. If you add uh, spaces like they did, you're all of a sudden competing with Clubhouse and hopefully even better than it. If you, if you do what Elon was saying about verifying everybody, all of a sudden now you can be a competitor for Tinder. Like there's so many things that can happen inside of Twitter that doesn't necessarily need to leave Twitter. Whereas now I think a lot of people are using so many different apps and if twitter can say hey we are the one app you need in terms of if you want your tiktoks if you want your tinders if you want your your clubhouses and in terms of potentially even exclusive content you know the way you mentioned uh twitter spaces there almost sounds like a private discord which in a lot of cases some Mm -hmm. people even need to pay in order to get into a private discord i could see a very real situation where like you mentioned Twitter blue could be focused in that kind of way where you're paying to be involved in that space, but maybe even there's a limited number of spaces. If you're, I don't know, some huge, let's go back to the Justin Bieber analogy. If you're Justin Bieber, you can be like, Hey, I'm going to have a conversation about this video. I just released right after it airs. And the 20 people who got their subscription to this exclusive Twitter space, 
um, opportunity, get to have a conversation with me about it, about how I made it and, you know, what my thought process is when I was writing it and blah, 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 and all that stuff. All of a sudden, there's a value now to that amount uh, that you're paying because if there's only a certain amount of tickets or a certain amount of spaces, kind of like how Clubhouse was very exclusive, that's what drove up its excitement. I could imagine Twitter could kind of emulate something specific. I don't think they will. This is all speculation at this point. But that could be a cool kind of idea that they could implement um, in Twitter overall. But yeah, it's funny. Just the idea that Elon buying Twitter kind of opens up the possibilities of maybe this thing can change into something a lot bigger than it is. It probably won't. But I think just the idea that that's possible, I think, is getting a lot of people excited and maybe scaring some other people. But I think most people are probably getting excited of like, hey, what could this actually be uh, if it's not just governed by uh, a small number of, of shareholders? Yeah, I think definitely a lot of excitement about what it could turn into, what you know, features they could add, what it could become. But yeah, I guess, <laughs> as you said, I don't see anything major happening. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to imagine something. Yeah. Right? Maybe Elon decides to turn Twitter into Ready Player One. <laughs> he launches a VR headset suit. Direct integration with <laughs> Dogecoin. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> launches his own NFT line. Uh, I guess any closing statements? No, I, I think uh, it, it would just be cool. Like if anyone out there has any ideas of what they want to see in Twitter, if you use it a lot. Uh, you know, tweet about it, maybe comment about it. Because, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of cool ideas of what could potentially happen and, or maybe what you don't want to see happen, which could be cool as well. Yeah. Take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode.